Welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening to this on Sunday episode. As you probably know by now, that's the episode where us pastors get together in this dank basement on a Monday, or in this case, a Tuesday, and talk about what happened on Sunday. That's why it's called On Sunday. If you want to try to ask us a question, you can do that two ways. You can email office at canbychristian.org. Or while you're at church on a Sunday, write it on a connection card, drop it in one of the black boxes. Uh, But we're going to get started with this exciting episode on some commendations and some cautions. But before we get to that, I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And Rob, how was your week? Uh, it was it was a challenging one. The wife was away on business. I mentioned it last week on the podcast. She left um, last Monday morning, and then mm. she came back Friday. And so we, yeah, we're, you know, dealing with that, which is always not fun. But we Mr. did a Mom lot of, all week. Yep. Did a lot of FaceTiming, which was funny. In fact, she tried to FaceTime me because in Chicago, she's two hours ahead. So we she would FaceTime us around 7 o'clock. And uh, Thursday came around and life group was happening. But she, of course, in the whirlwind of working and being in a different time zone, decided to FaceTime me like at our seven o'clock, her nine nine Uh o'clock, I think it was, because we had done that before the kids go to bed, you know, so they could say their hellos and goodbyes and all that kind of stuff and just connect. But anyways, we were in the middle of life group. And so I was like, I'm pretty sure she doesn't want me to just press accept and like say hi to everyone in the life group, you know? So I, I let it go um, because I'm sure she's like chilling in the in her hotel room in her pajamas mm-hmm. or something. But then I was like, do you want me to do you want me to you want to FaceTime everyone in our small group? And she was like, no, I'll say hi next <laughs> week. So but anyways, no, thank you. yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit of a challenge always um, when she leaves. But and. She was bummed. She was she was feeling like she was gone too long, but she did get a lot of work stuff done, which was cool. Um, and we made it out alive. Um, although I feel like my daughter is entering the terrible twos early because hmm. she's only 19 months, 20 months. She turns two in August. So she's, well, yeah, she's almost two and she's starting to throw tantrums and a lot of screeching is happening. The terrible twos. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, the weather was nice, so I always felt like the threes were worse. Yep, actually, I agree. Really, the mm-hmm. terrible threes. Well, mm-hmm. I feel like it's probably it lasts a couple of years. That she's in this, <laughs> <laughs> she's in this phase where she knows a handful of words, but not enough to like actually communicate what she really wants. You know, yeah, that's when they get frustrated. It's the, it's just a hard. I've only time. ever seen her smile though. Yeah, well, she's like always happy when she's running around here. She's usually pretty happy, but she has also been teething a bit. She almost has all of her teeth in now, which I guess my son, he didn't get his teeth in for a while. So now his like his adult teeth are taking a while to come in and stuff like that. But her teeth are like all all of her teeth are in. Anyways, all four of her canines have been coming through. So that's, you know, in addition to being without Mallory was hard, but that was my week. How about you guys, Aaron? Yeah, main pastor Aaron, how was your week? <laughs> the main <laughs> pastor. As I'm eating a crumble cookie. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was that we're from? All, you go first. Where you go? We're all eating, honestly, one of the better cookies I've ever had. But mm-hmm. don't say the name again because they don't sponsor this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a cookie shop in Wilsonville and you think they're really good and you want a shout out, Sponsor this podcast. I know Cody wants all to try and monetize our podcast. <laughs> all, all pro, we could we could monetize it right now. We have enough listeners now. 
That's funny. And all proceeds would go to the youth ministry. We'll get no. zero point. That's not <laughs> zero two cents. <laughs> I want to monetize it as a youth ministry fundraiser. Uh, but we probably end up like, um, we could find a Christian. I don't know. I don't know how it works yeah, uh, if either. they just assign us one. But maybe, I mean, we could like christiansingles.com <laughs> or whatever. We could like find the ones. See, but that's find the, the problem. Find the ones that match our mission. Is like, <laughs> match our mission. Our, the, oh, oh my goodness. our podcast host would just randomly put some advertiser in the It'd middle of right our podcast. Middle, yeah. And it'd be something. No, you record it. I know you, you record, record it yourself. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. I don't know exactly how it works. Yeah, no, I, we're not no, signed thanks. up for it. We're not doing any of That's that. That's not a part of our mission. Uh, yeah. yeah. No. Well, one thing that Rob and I, you both did. We or we both did. We went to the zoo. Yes. Took our kids. We had a field trip uh, to the zoo, which was actually pretty cool. The weather was yeah. lame, um, but was, uh, I yeah. think it it somewhat helped us because it wasn't crowded at all, and the animals were out. I mean, it was it was definitely my best time to the zoo. Yeah. In regard to seeing animals and stuff like that, so you took Owen, I took Olivia, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. And then we sure. had two other kids. Yeah, our, two other crazy we were chaperoning. <laughs> nice. <laughs> kids. Yeah, it was something else for sure. I we were like one of I don't know, or we were two of three or four dads. They were yeah, able to go. Very few men. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of understandable. Most, oh, I for mean, sure. even, even in our modern day and age, uh, more women are available <laughs> during the day than men generally. So it was, it was a good thing for us to be able to participate in. We're lucky. We're blessed to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah. No, it was, no, yep. it was really cool. And I was, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting week, but anyway, yeah. Glad, to, <coughs> excuse me. Glad to be here. How about you, Cody? Yeah. I mean, I think I had a pretty chill week. I can't remember whole lot of what happened i got mm. to have uh uh lunch with a oh, couple yeah. of uh older gentlemen from the church which was really cool mm. they were surprised that i would go to lunch with them and i was surprised that they would even think to invite me to lunch so yeah <laughs> i was like i would totally go to lunch. i'll go to lunch with anybody anytime um if anyone needed to hear that i would also <laughs> like <laughs> i would also like lunches if anyone out there wants to Wants to go to lunch. Yeah. Anybody listening, please take these guys to lunch. But but that, but that was a lot of fun, and uh, and uh, we came back, and I got to show them uh, the arborvita that they had heard about on the podcast <laughs> the week before. Catch on fire. So that was fun too. Um, little show and tell time. That's funny. And uh, <laughs> Riley had her last soccer game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's most of most of my week right there. Nice. We're getting close to the end of. Uh, Getting close to the end of youth group, only a couple left, um, so those get kind of busy planning what mm-hmm. the, what the last event is going to be and stuff like that. And then you're gearing up for a camp, Mexico mission trip. I think Mexico mission trip comes first. High school camp, junior high camp, a couple of little events in there. And there's a fundraiser thing coming up, which is the taco fundraiser. Yeah, coming up on a Sunday. We're gonna make some tacos, and you can yep come. Make a donation or don't make a donation and get some tacos. Yeah, sweet. Or yeah. or for sure, make a donation and come <laughs> yeah. get some tacos. Well, yeah, it'll it'll go toward the kids and you know going to camp and things like that. Right, so right. sweet. Be very yeah. helpful to us, and it'll be a blessing for our church because we get to hang out after church and um, eat food together as long as we want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this Sunday, I believe, am I right? Is our senior Sunday. Uh, you tell me. I believe I, that is true. This is the 29th, right? Uh, You're yeah. in charge of that stuff. Uh-huh. So it's the senior 
it's the senior Sunday, so that'll be fun. So we can celebrate them, them yep. give them a Bible, all that kind of good stuff. Very cool. Cool. Should we move on to this we'll get commendations right and caution? Yeah. Do yep. you want to start with a commendation? <sighs> we could go slightly out of order. Well, I could, I think we could talk about the theory of commendations. Let's do it. We do. This was your idea to do a volunteer of the week. Yeah. On our podcast, which I think is a great idea, and I came. I think it came from the spirit of commendations that Paul has here. He's commending all of these people in this list, people that he personally benefited from their ministry to him. And, and he wants to give a shout out to them as he's, uh, writing to them, uh, to this church in Rome that he has yet to visit. And yet he's basically saying passively and somewhat actively, I still know you though. And you Mm -hmm. know me, I'm, I'm Paul, we've done ministry, you know, my character and these things, but anyway, he's affirming them and what they have done. And so it is good to, uh, commend people but that's that's why we do a volunteer of the week mm-hmm. um because we want to have that same culture uh, here at our church where we're noticing what others are doing and affirming them and the work that they're doing and praising them uh for that is that what you were getting at yeah exactly and the podcast is kind of a silly place to do that we can have a little fun with it it'd be pretty awkward on a sunday morning <laughs> yeah to be like we have a volunteer of the week that seems for kinda, sure but on the podcast it's like more fun and silly yeah. But still, we get to acknowledge people, yeah. Uh, without it feeling like you know, you you need to earn your place in in being celebrated at this church, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon was very appreciative last week. Uh, he I, should be. I went he up was, to him on Sunday and I was we like, "We mean it. He's this was your week. week. You're the volunteer <laughs> of the week." He was, he was pumped about it, and we meant it. <laughs> he helped so much. Yeah, yeah, I. What was what was interesting to me when I read this or when I got into the text and thought about these commendations and even the volunteer of the week um, was a few years ago. I mentioned it in my sermon. I read this book, which I have right here, Practicing Affirmation by Sam Crabtree. It is a crossway publishing. Um, but I was really struck by it. Not Not that the concept was new to me, but just how much he unpacked that theme for the life of the church and how uh, central it should be to our living out relationships together mm-hmm. and and affirming one another and it, and it really is a practice but it, but he brings up some things of like why like actually Paul uh, Paul Rob you wrote in here um, one of the questions that we could maybe discuss is uh-huh. do you think it's difficult for most people to give affirmations to others? Why can that be a challenge for us, and how can we get better at that? And and those questions, which are really great questions, are are answered in this book um, and many others. Mm-hmm. Like those are probably the first three that just came to your mind. But then there's other questions that I hadn't even thought about in regard to why we don't practice affirmation, why some people practice affirmation but actually are doing it in sinful ways, mm. like they're self-serving ways. Right. Um, or, or how the need like to butter you up, to yeah, get what to they butter want you later. up, yeah. yes. Or you know, some people, you know, they they pat you on the back for something you did, and you're like, well, why are you why are you praising me for this? You know why? Like you know, so there can be some of that. Yeah. Um, but they, then they want to turn around and get another pat on the back from you. They're yeah. Like exactly. Me, me too. Scrap. Exactly. <laughs> they praise. It's their love language, right? They want, they give you the praise and then they're essentially passively saying, now give me some praise back, mm-hmm. you know? So that can be weird. But again, the, the, the need for personal affirmation 
from others, which we all need to be affirmed. I mean, your kids need to be affirmed. Uh, as human beings, we need affirmation. But sometimes the need for human affirmation can fall into the realms of sinful uh, desires and things like that. Absolutely. But anyway, he does a really good job in this book, unpacking a lot of those questions, creating a biblical case, a gospel case for why we should be affirming one another. Like one of the questions he asked, I brought it up is, isn't praise of man idolatrous? And, and he essentially says no, because when we <laughs> praise the good works that people are doing, knowing that all the good that we're doing is through God, it's right. a gracious gift, um, you know, then we can affirm people in a God-honoring way and mm-hmm. in a human-honoring way. Um, we're actually praising God when we uh, affirm people and what they're doing. Um, like he has this good line in here. Good affirmations are God-centered, pointing to the image of God in a person. The only commendable attributes in people were given to them. Mm-hmm. Everything is from God, through God, and to God, so that in all things, including the commendable qualities in people, he might get the glory. And, I mean, that's just a great, yeah. great line. Great way to think about it, too. Totally. And I, and I think, you know, hopefully, authentically, that is what we're doing, that we are glorifying God by acknowledging the image of God in another person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he also talks about how we're stewards. He has this line, we're stewards of grace. Those who steward well should be commended for it. And God should be praised for giving them the grace of steward uh, to steward the grace given to them. So anyway, it, it, it was a great book. And I, but I do think that unfortunately we assume that, uh, I mean, kind of like in your marriage, right? Like your, your spouse does something, every day for you you know (laughs) yesterday uh this was so funny i did a bunch of yard work yesterday i have weeds everywhere (laughs) and i'm like my back hurts it's the you know i'm i'm in my in my bedroom getting ready for bed and uh adeline is in there and she's coloring and she's not she doesn't excuse me she doesn't even look at me but she just says to me she goes dad you worked really hard today i'm proud of you (laughs) (laughs) and and i just like just out of nowhere, like yeah. unsolicited, like I wasn't looking for that. <laughs> but geez, it felt so good coming yeah. from my almost seven-year-old that she took the moment to commend her dad yeah. for the hard work he did. And then, you know, dad, you worked really hard today, basically. And you know what was so funny about it was she wasn't around me at all. She was bouncing on the trampoline. She was playing with her friends. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't near anything that I was doing. So she wasn't watching me. But yet she was watching me. Yeah, periodically notice yeah, what you're doing. Oh, look at dad. He is focused. He is ripping out those weeds and he is <laughs> mowing the lawn. And and But then, you know, to commend the work, I saw what you did and I'm <laughs> proud of you. Like to come out of her mouth was just like so awesome. You know, it felt really good. And I, I know she's not trying to butter me up. Well, I t- <laughs> wow, I take all that back. I have to remember this is Adeline. What she asked and for every- right after. Exactly. Everything she says <laughs> usually leads to her wanting something from, from, from me. Wow. Uh, anyway, no. Did, I, did she I ask for it. anything immediately? After? No, no, yeah, she didn't. So there you go. 
No, she didn't. But I'm trying to think back to did she so uh, passively gonna, do something? It's going to be something big in a few days from exactly. now. Exactly. Well, like, she knows her it. she knows her birthday is coming up. She's saving them up. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's paying it forward, dude. That's what she's doing. Uh, that's awesome. Anyway, this was a great book. I I do uh, I do commend it. It was it was very encouraging uh, to me, and I think as a culture in our church, we do want to have that culture where we're actually noticing what people do, and then. You know, I think this is the spirit of the thank you card, you know? Yeah. People send thank you cards. We just got one this last week from Ray Keen at the Canby Center. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he kills it. He's a professional at it. I mean, he <laughs> he sends this very thoughtful, mm-hmm. handwritten thank you card for, you know, a meeting that we just had with him and just affirming us and our partnership and relationships and stuff like that. So anyway, it's it's really good to do that, especially when it's not cheesy, but when it's real. And uh, it it really it really means a lot, you know. Yeah. I think it goes a long way. But anyway, yeah. So w- what hurdles are there? Is it just we're not mindful enough? Are we not thinking that this is an important thing to do? Maybe I mean, I'm sure that's a a main hurdle. Yeah. Um. That that you just don't always take the time to be aware of what's going on around you, or you're not aware of what you've gotten. Mm-hmm. And so you know, like uh, you go get a cup of coffee every Sunday, and you don't ever think. Where'd this coffee come from? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and that's easy to do. Um, but honestly, I feel like al- almost a bigger hurdle, at least from my experience with like volunteers and people in the church, it seems like the bigger hurdle is receiving the compliments. Well, is really, really mm. awkward for people. Hmm. Um, and maybe that's in the back of our minds that like, oh, I don't want to, you know, we're joking around, you know, like the, the potential at church is you're like, Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? Good. All right. See you later. See you <laughs> next Sunday, you know? Yeah. And so I think sometimes we're hesitant just to go like take a conversation deeper, um, which I think our church is really good at not yeah, staying yeah. surface level, but I think that can be a hurdle. Like now we're not just joking around and talking about the weather. Now I'm getting like serious. And is it going to make this conversation awkward now? Yeah. One of the things we talked about in our life group (coughs) as we were looking at this text before Sunday is uh, I was saying it could be a a cool like homework assignment for you. And I, you know, didn't like check on this. I'm just saying here's here's something you could do. Like Paul does, writes down 30 something people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who impacted him in this church you could sit down in your journal and That's a great thing write do. down the names of the people in yeah. our church. And you could go, you could give them a letter, send them a, give, card, yeah. send them a thank you card, or just go talk to them and, and, and relay that information to them. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing we got to in our life group talking about. But, um, but yeah, I think it is weird taking compliments, especially, uh, you know, in preaching. You get off, you know, you preach the sermon, you get off the stage, you go and you walk around and people often will say complimentary things. And it's hard because... Do they? Uh, that never happens to me <laughs> when I'm done. Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do, Cody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's like, you want to say, oh, praise God, you know, like it's hard because you... But at the same time... You're talking about receiving or... or receiving. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking me personally, and this is probably not the, you know, the case of most people, but specifically with regard to preaching, you know, the word... 
and you get compliments on how well the sermon was, how good the sermon was. And it's hard to, you want to properly, you know, say, oh, it's, you know, it's only God. But then you also want to say thank you, you know, at the same time, because you want to communicate. I appreciate that you recognize, you know, that I put in work here and God used me in this way. Sure. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was always weird, especially when I first began to teach the Bible. I almost always want to be like, oh, no, don't thank me. You know, thank God. And at some point, that's kind of rude, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to tell yeah. someone that. You know? I think what I've come to, because you, I mean, you get it a lot when you're doing the music. Yeah. It's just like not everyone can do it. Not everyone knows how to sing. Not everyone can play an instrument. So you end right. up getting compliments from people who can't play an instrument and wish they could. So they go tell you good job, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think um, like what I've really settled on, and it's not just like, oh, I came up with a phrase, but it's true, is I just started thanking people back for the encouragement. Because, like, you know, I always know every single little thing we messed up all morning. <laughs> right. And so they're like, great job. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't. Like, it was, like, not not a, not my best at all. <laughs> um, but they don't care about that. And actually, to have someone tell you you did good after yeah. you messed up a few things, you're like, it's actually pretty encouraging because you're like, oh, well, they didn't notice it as bad yeah. as I noticed it. And so it, it is encouraging to have someone come up and say, great job. Um, and so I have just been usually return it with a thanks and I appreciate the encouragement because sometimes some mornings I really need it. (laughs) I'm like, that was a disaster. (laughs) And to have someone come up and say it wasn't that bad is actually really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't all bad. (laughs) No, that's, that's a good word. And I mean, yeah, it's the same thing in preaching, right? I mean, someone will come up and say something affirming. But in my mind, I'm like, man, I know I could have preached that better or I could have said that better or I... I, I forgot this element or, you know, you know, all the things that you're lacking, but I mean, you have to have some self-awareness and this is part of what we're talking about is why it's difficult for some people, um, to a receive it, or they want to receive more of it is they're either prideful. Mm. Um, they want that affirmation, but when it comes to them, it like feeds their pride even mm. more. But like what you just told me right there, Cody about yourself is you're not prideful you you know the areas that you can grow and you receive you know where the prideful person is like of course I killed it like <laughs> like what you're telling me is not anything I already don't know yeah in my I, own mind I have no delusions that I'm that I'm of, that I'm 100 amazing worship leader in the country <laughs> right yeah right. it's it's that person or is even actually, the city or even the you know, yeah, that ten, person is actually radius. like laughable <laughs> and they have no self-awareness. But no, it is good. I, my uh, John Stott, I remember reading this book from him and he talked about that experience of preaching a sermon and people would come up and he, he said he learned the art of breathing mm. where he would inhale the praise, mm, yeah. the, the life-giving oxygen, but then he would exhale the stuff that would inflate his head mm. to you know obnoxious pride. And so, you know, you take it in, you receive the good parts of it, but you make sure you exhale because you don't want to, like, blow your head up. And I think that that's a good sort of, like, mental metaphor to think through, like, people giving, uh, you know, praise and affirmations. Your question, though, do you think it's difficult for most people to give affirmations to others? I mean, I, I do because I just don't think that people are genuinely looking for the character qualities of God in other people. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I, I just, and, and, you know, for me, I, excluding people who are like selfish and, 
you know, they, they can't praise others because they feel like they should, they're not getting enough praise themselves, you know, like that's, that's an obvious, like just sinful, selfish thing. But I think in a more neutral stance, people struggle to give affirmation to others because they're just not looking for the character qualities of right. God in other yeah. people. And, they, and, and for me, like I look at the things that people do and I, I'm genuinely amazed that people come to church every week. <laughs> I, I really am. I yeah. mean, I'm just like, as weird as that sounds, I'm like, these people could be doing a lot of other things and they're, they're coming here or, or like volunteering. Right. Like our life group volunteers. I am truly amazed at the commitment that these people have to come every single week and to lead a group in, in shepherding people through a discussion like I'm genuinely amazed. I'm genuinely amazed people come every week early to to set up or to greet people who are walking in. Like I'm I'm amazed that somebody shows up every week and and does a schedule to make coffee for the church, you know? Right. Like I I don't know, it's just amazing to me. So cuz there's so many other things that you could be doing with your time, but people are choosing to do these things and I am I am just blown away by that. And yeah. and I think because of that, I'm thrilled by seeing what God is doing in these people, that they're willing to serve in all of these different spaces. And, and I mean, I, f I find myself often encouraging people, like, thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate you, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just genuinely blown away. Yeah. by what people are doing because again i know that they could be doing so many other things but yet they're choosing to be here and to serve the church and it's just it's just wonderful and so i'm i'm super grateful for them and i i just feel like people make a lot of assumptions like oh why you should be, and they get legalistic mm. um presumptuous and then there, there's no joy in that and uh because they they are almost guilt tripping people into doing it versus more like just wow i can't believe you're doing that that's so yeah. amazing you so know being I mean? mindful of of the transformation god's doing in people's hearts and seeing them serve is definitely something we can do i think another maybe thing is like we were talking about earlier because when we get complimented it is a danger to let it go to your head i think some of us like you know avoid or don't give as many commendations to people because we're worried that we may inflate their head you know like give them a um make the, you know make them feel like they're more important than they ought to be or something like that like that's something in the back of our head so we oh i probably shouldn't say anything because i don't you know i don't want to make it seem like i'm a fanboy or whatever you know like those weird tendencies but it's like we just need to get over that i guess to some degree and also there's a way in which we can do it properly and there's a way For we sure. can do it improperly so yeah so, and yeah. i don't i didn't I can't sense any of us doing that like in a cheesy way or in a like disingenuous way or anything like that. It's just like truly recognizing like when somebody's doing like mm -hmm. amazing things. I, I guess my point that I'm making is like sometimes we look at people and we think, okay, thanks. Uh, like as an example, I, I watched golf. It was a major championship this last week, right? Justin Thomas won the championship. It was an amazing ending. And he's good friends with Tiger Woods. And one of the reporters asked, hey, did Tiger, like, text you? Did he call you? Did he, like, give you, like, praise for your victory, you know? And and JT uh, responded, was like, uh, yeah, Tiger's always going to, like, 
he's going to rip into me. He's going to tell me I, I should have made that putt at the end. He's going to say, why did I, why did I push my, or why did I shank my shot on that one hole? Like he's going to, he's always going to find the thing he didn't do. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though he just won this major championship, he did this really commendable thing. He's going to poke fun of him about all the things that he didn't do. Of course, he knows it's coming from an endearing place, right? Like he has a good relationship with him, but that's the sort of thing where he's going to keep pushing him mm. by, because he knows that's what will get him more motivated is the things that he screwed up in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you need to know that through relationships. My point is, is like we can see people. Well, people can be doing amazing things, but we don't see it. All we're doing is seeing all the things that they're not doing right. Right. And and we just keep pointing that out to them. And that is not Christian. Mm -hmm. It's unhealthy. It's not godly where we should be doing the the other thing. You know, we should be like, wow, look at this. And we miss out on all the good things that they're doing. So mm. anyway, we've we've gone on and on about affirmations, but I think yeah. it's a good thing for us to right. talk about in our in our church, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and it was I thought it was a good it was a great one to discuss as a small group. Our, our small group made it to a similar spot mm -hmm. um, where I, I think it was maybe Emily Chesney who brought it up first, but like that sh she wanted not just to go write it down, but to write to the person, you know, yeah. and, and tell them. And that, that was a great challenge for each of us to find someone that has made a significant impact in our lives and go tell them. And so maybe that's a great challenge for people listening today. If you have someone who's done something really extraordinary for you or even mildly <laughs> helpful to you, uh, tell them about it and thank them because that's a great thing to do. You, and it builds relationships. You were, you, Rob, you made me think of something, though. And I wasn't going to bring it up, but I think it fit perfectly because you're going to have people coming up to you or just coming up to us, you know, after we finish, you know, a sermon or doing worship and, you know, affirming or whatever. But I, I had the rare blessing uh, this last week of someone coming up and actually criticizing <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> an area of my sermon. And and I say rare blessing because it, it doesn't come often because I think most people... They may be thinking it, but they won't come up and say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah they won't tell you to your face. Right, exactly. They'll just leave the church. They'll tell their wife on the way home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they'll put it in the comment card. Yeah. <laughs> that That's what happens. But I don't get any of those things. But I had the the rare blessing occasion of someone coming up and, and saying something. And it was, it was kind of cool. Part of it actually was cool for me listening because I was this person was clearly listening to what I was saying. Yeah, that was cool. And, and they, they, they did, they misunderstood what, what I was actually saying, but that's a little bit on me, right? Like I'm, I should have communicated a little more clearly, uh, in this one little section that I was talking about. Um, and, and this is a newer person, uh, to the church. And so I have to recognize this person doesn't know me and I don't know them. And so, it, you know, that's the art of communication is knowing who's in the room, but also knowing who could potentially be in the room and how will this land on someone the way you're saying it. You don't want to unnecessarily offend somebody, um, <clears throat> but you're never going to do that, do that perfectly. Um, but it, it was interesting. In, in the end, I felt like the conversation ended as well as it could have gone. Um, but it was it was another good reminder to me that. Uh, sometimes there's people out there that also don't agree or like what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. 
Well, and and to offer a commendation, I thought it was commendable that you went from the conversation and adjusted how you said what you said for the next service. Yep, and second I think service was not the same as the first. I think service. that's a cool a cool thing uh, for you know people of our church to know mm-hmm. that you're not this arrogant guy who just thinks he's always right or and, dismissive and, and, Dismi- and r- yeah. write something and someone talks to you about it and you're like nah i'm just gonna say it the exact same way again right <laughs> <laughs> you actually like took to heart the the conversation and and changed the way you were you spoke about yeah for sure because uh, yeah, that's so. Uh, I'm gonna give you the preacher of the week award. Oh, well, thank you. Because <laughs> I'm the only you're one. The, you're this week's preacher <laughs> of the week. Uh, thank you for the commendation, Cody. <laughs> I, you are employed for one more month. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. No, that's no, that's that's for well. And we have people don't know this, but we have a sermon service recap every Monday. Yeah, and we go over the service and we talk about the things that we did well, the things that did not go well the things that were confusing and we go over all these things and it's just a time to uh humbly you know honestly assess mm-hmm. how did things go and um so usually that includes the music or the or the sermon or you know transitions or whatever it is you know yeah. and, and there's and even the kids ministries included yep, in that yep. and yeah all of it yeah so anyway anyway that's a good discussion on yeah. affirmations which i wonder as we're talking about the affirmations i wonder if phoebe as the uh you know deliverer of this letter also read the letter and if she did this is what i was thinking about if she was the one reading the letter how awkward would it be to get to the part about herself Mm. where it's like commend phoebe treat her as a saint and and you're reading it about yourself to the people Mm. that'd be kind of interesting i i i bet you she read it Oh, if I'm I was sure to comment, she did, yeah. And, and I, I don't think that she would have been shocked by it at all because I have a feeling she wasn't reading these words, uh, you know, Paul's words about her. She wasn't reading them as if she was hearing this for the first time. Well, yeah. I bet you Paul constantly <laughs> commended her yeah. for, for her work. But it'd be a weird part to tell, like, if I had to go into my small group. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, hey, guys, just so you know, Aaron said... Like, I'm a really good person, and you guys need to treat me with the <laughs> utmost respect. That's just what Aaron said about me, right. and I, w- I need you guys to know it because it's part of this thing he told me to tell you. That'd be pretty awkward. That would be awkward. <laughs> well, but like I said, that this was a common practice yeah, yeah, yeah. at that time and, and that in To that qualify location. who you've chosen to deliver your message. Exactly, and you would, you would write it in the letter itself so that there was no confusion. Um, that this was not some later insertion by the deliverer, right. but this was actually written by the author, and so that's where the the commendation comes yeah. from. But there, I titled it "Commendations and Cautions," but really, there's one commendation, and the rest greetings. That's true, which is kind of funny. But they come in the form of commendations, right? Because so. they're being. Why would he mention them? The funny. Do you have any in your research? Did you, or maybe there is information. Maybe there's not. Is there any information about how many people are in this church? In Rome? Yeah. Uh, there's no way to tell no that. No way yeah. to tell. Because that's what we were wondering about. Like, say there's 40 people in the church. And he knew half of and them. And you listed 26 of them. Yeah. And then went, but watch out for people who are like this. <laughs> like the 26 <laughs> are looking at the other, like, right. what would it be? 15. 14 people yeah. going like, all right. 
a couple of these 14 are the ones because he's you. obviously not talking about us because we just got listed in the good group <laughs> well there were there were house churches right yeah. there's there in this group there's three house churches listed so he's writing to the church in rome but there were three locations <laughs> you know three house churches or more there were probably much more probably i bet yeah. you there were hundreds and hundreds of christians right at satellites this time. i think <laughs> Yeah, no. well, they, they li- do they live stream into the other locations? Oh boy, Cody. there's a lot of bizarre, <laughs> bizarre uh, theological, ecclesiological rabbit trails people can go down from what Paul is uh. talking about here. But in one of my, in regard to like churches in Rome, they were likely house churches largely because they did not have buildings. the The church didn't even get buildings until like I think the third cent. Well, until Constantine, right? Basically. Uh, made uh, Christianity legal, and and so the churches often met in homes uh, or in common places or things like that, but primarily in people's homes. Um, even Paul is saying he's writing this letter from somebody's home, somebody showing him hospitality. Who who is that at the very end? Uh, it's uh, watch out for those when he gets in. Oh, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church. So he's. Basically, he's talking about this guy who had hosted him um, as he was writing the letter. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I think there were there were lots of churches. But when you're talking about the city in Rome, there were different groups. There were different neighborhoods. And each kind of neighborhood had its own culture. Like in today, when you go to a major city, you've got Chinatown, you've got Little Italy, you've got the German area over here. You know, you've got these areas where these homogenous sort of groups and languages sort of connect together or in that day uh people based on their work so if you had the iron workers those people would live over this way because it was closer to the location where they would do that and so there was sort of natural segregation because of culture or language or things like this and so there's a, a an assumption that there was a lot of that going on um, just because of the neighborhoods um, mm-hmm. And so they would plant churches in those different neighborhoods, but yet they were all one church in in Rome, and they, I'm sure, networked together, shared resources together, and had gospel partnerships together, but they met in these different houses uh, in different neighborhoods because of travel and size of a house and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, there's rabbit trails we can go down. One rabbit trail we can go down is, I, I wrote a question um, what does Paul's statement about Phoebe teach about women's role in the church and mission? Well, and Phoebe was a pastor, right? No. Oh, no? Rob, he's joking now. <laughs> no, it says that she was a servant, which is a <laughs> diakonos mm-hmm. in the Greek. Diakonos, which is the Greek word that's transliterated into English as deacon. Right. So, but in the, in the feminine form. And so she is a deaconess, Mm -hmm. which was not only uh, a function of the church, right? We serve the church, but it was also an office of the church that had the function, right? So she served the church, but she served as an official uh, title given to her by the church and, and to an actual local church. So she didn't just serve the church, you know, big C church, but she served the church at Centria, so in the city that she lived in. And Phoebe was kind of an interesting person because he mentions that she was a patron. Um, most historians believe that she was probably a very wealthy woman. Um, 
and she had means and she had resources and she was very capable, um, but she served the church and she had an official role at the church of Centria and, and served, obviously served really well. Mm-hmm. But this is the like upside down nature of, of authority in, in God's kingdom, right? Is we often think of leadership as top down. Theirs was bottom up, right? You're, you're mm. a true leader in the church when you actually serve the church. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when you have this like honorable role or worthy of, uh, you know, welcome her in a way worthy of the saints, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think as an, an inverted thought from what people think today about uh, roles in ministry and roles in the church. I think people are more or less trying to do the worldly model, which is exercising authority over people when Phoebe's posture and everybody else's posture here was, no, my, my role is to serve. And that's the greatest honor yeah. in, in God's house. And so anyway, but, but so Phoebe was the deacon. <laughs> your watch, my is, watch talking. is talking. Phoebe was the deaconess teaching the book of Romans. (laughs) She was the deaconess in this context of carrying the letter. Right. Um, But yeah, and this is where this is an interesting thing to bring up here because people (laughs) will point to Phoebe Mm -hmm. as a basis or an argument for affirming women as pastors in the church, like an egalitarian perspective, you know, would read it that way. I do sometimes when I'm making that argument. When you want to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that's just not in the Bible. Do you? Th- so, do you? Yeah. Th- <laughs> I'm, I'm going. Do you? Uh, <laughs> you're going full bore. Do the you? Vineyard? Do you think if while she was reading the letter to the Roman Church, if people were to ask a clarifying question of one of Paul's statements in it, she would be able to elaborate what he meant? Um, potentially. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Do I think that happened realistically? Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that she needed to because in the earlier context, Paul says, I commend you guys um, because you are fully competent. (laughs) You know, able to instruct one another. another. I'm I'm just writing by way of reminder. Right. So his thought would be, I'm not writing anything new to you. You already know everything I'm about to say to you. Or I've already written to you. Um, yeah, or have a great, a good enough foundation. Yes, for sure. And they had elders there um, who would have been able in the church already. I mean, there was already planting a planting pastor and people who had already planted the churches there. And so people had the word of God and uh, there were Jews and Gentiles there. There were people who understood. So anyway, I, I don't think there would have been anything new, but they're like, wait a yeah. second, I don't understand, you know? Um, but anyway, this, it's just a a good text to point out because people look at Phoebe and her ministry Mm -hmm. and say, she is a justification for why women should be pastors. And, you know, my, and many others argument would be, I just don't see where you're getting that in the actual text. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I don't think Phoebe would have considered herself an elder of the church. She would have considered herself a servant, a deaconess Deaconess, of the church church. at Centria. Absolutely. Um, Why is my watch talking to me? (laughs) uh, You know, one rule of interpretation is to interpret the more ambiguous passages with the more clear passages. And so you have Timothy. Oh, of course. (laughs) Paul, you know, speaking to the, to Timothy who was a pastor and clarifying exactly how that role functions. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have this text, which, you know, has maybe some ambiguous 
verbiage where you could possibly see that as a possibility, but it's not clear. So you mm -hmm. take the clear passage and you use that to help you give clarity to the more ambiguous passages. Right. And that's why it's, uh, yeah, we, we hold the complementarian position that we do. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think overall, what's, what you mentioned, this is later in the sermon where you mentioned about the diversity of this list. And there are you know, people of all shapes and sizes in this yeah. list, right, right. which is a, a really wonderful truth that comes out of this Absolutely. whole text of the scripture. And even Priscilla which is, you know, I think she has commended her with her husband, Aquila, or was it the way around? It, well, there's two spellings. In Acts, it's Priscilla. Here, it's Prissa, but it's the same. It's the it's, same person. It, yeah, it's the same people. Yeah, it's like Rob and Robert. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyways, so th she's a woman, and uh, there's a, po a point in Acts where he, where they take Paul aside and, and actually help to clarify some things that he was saying, right? You didn't reference this in your sermon, but I was thinking about it. Um, that's often a text people will say to kind of point to to that. But this is a person in the church who's also being commended for, in this test, ris risking their necks for him, mm -hmm. putting their life on the line for that for him, and and being like instrumental in in his ministry. Uh, but then go down the line. There's all of these. There's sort of older folks, younger folks, men, women, and I think one of the one of the things we can look at or principle we can take out of this, which you mentioned, is just that we are. It's not just a bunch of old, you know, dudes that he's giving commendations to as, as if those are the only people who are important or something. Mm -hmm. Everyone is equally important. And on this list, there is a variety of, <laughs> of different people in the church, Phoebe being one of them. And so I think it's important that, that, yeah, that's something that, that comes to light, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, Absolutely. I, I personally was struck by the relationship that Paul had with this couple uh, Priscilla and Aquila or Priscilla and Aquila. Um, just cause I've had, I've had plenty of conversations with people like that. I trust and had to have conversations with them. And I, I've used this phrase. I, I don't need any more attackers. I need advocates. Yeah. And, and we all need that. You know, there's plenty of people who are going to pardon the expression, talk crap ab on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're going to, they're going to say things about you behind your back or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, like I, I had, a, or maybe even not talk crap, but like, sow seeds of doubt. And like I had somebody just that just recently talking about somebody and they were like, man, I don't know about this person. Like, I don't know. They just kind of give me a weird vibe or, you know, they did this thing or whatever. And I'm like, have you taken them to lunch? <laughs> That's all I said. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, I think you should probably take this person to lunch and just get to know them. Yeah. Because I don't know why you're talking to me about it. Number one, if you if but if you feel like this person is distant from you or aloof or whatever, like you should probably just invite them to lunch. Now, if you would invite them to lunch and they dismiss you, you know, then there's that's kind of weird, you know? Yeah. But they probably won't. And so why don't you just take them to lunch? And now you've had a few interactions with the person. Right. To make your judgment from not just like. Not just you, from a, from 10 yards away. You across the fellowship Right. Ball. Exactly. And, uh, you know, but, but in that moment, you know, I could be the pill and be like, you know, that person's kind of weird to me too. You know, like I, I know exactly what you mean, you know, like, and just kind of feed into it. Yeah. Or I could be like, dude, 
no, that person is a good person. Or you know what? I'm getting to know them. My interaction with him was positive. Why don't you get to know him a little bit? Yeah. Or even if you have zero interaction, but now someone's put something in your head that will influence the way you see that person. Yes, yes. From now on. Yep. Even if you would have never come to that conclusion yourself, naturally. Yep, yep. yep. No, it, it's I, think it's, I think it's important for people. I think it's a test of character to see how you stand up for other people. Yeah. And if you feed into that, those narratives or, um, or you add to it yourself or, or when put in a situation where you are, you have the choice to either defend or say nothing, you know, I think it's a test of your character where you should probably walk away feeling like I'm not a good friend mm -hmm. if I didn't defend this person when I could mm -hmm. have done it. Yeah. And I think that, uh, again, Paul had this in in this couple, and that's a very rare thing to mm -hmm. have. But we all need that. And I think people in ministry uh, especially need that. This goes back to the whole idea of affirming and why we'd rather have a, of a, a culture of affirmation than a culture of advocacy. Or no, I'm not. not uh, I'm using Adversary. the wrong word. Adversary. <laughs> right? We don't want to be uh, adversaries toward one another. We want to be advocates of one another, yeah. And and I think that's just a better, more godly culture, gospel-centered culture. Mm. Um, and I mean, be willing to like serve somebody by like risking your own reputation for someone else. And uh, I I don't know if I I feel like I've told this story, but I I got put to the test one time with our friend Josh uh, back at my old church. It, my boss was in the room, and he was talking to me. And my, my friend Josh was the preaching pastor on, a, on the Sunday night service. And he was basically the, the philosophy of the Sunday night service was it was an outreach. Like you needed to do an altar call every Sunday and, or you needed to do an appeal basically for people to give, make a decision to follow Jesus at the end or something like that. And so my boss um, was sitting there. He was one of the admin pastors was like, man, I was so discouraged recently. I, I heard that Josh like doesn't give appeals on Sunday night anymore. <laughs> and I'm I'm like, I was just so discouraged by that. I heard he doesn't even read out of the Bible. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, I'm sitting there and I'm well, it was so bizarre to me because I'm like, you're 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 talking to a guy who goes to that service every single week. Yeah. And and so I just literally I, I could have sat there. And, and, you know, that church culture was very much a, like, how am I going to climb the corporate ladder sort of structure there? And so I could have very much said nothing and just like, you know what? It's all about me, you know, good, good that they have a bad impression of my friend Josh, because then that means I can climb the rung one letter, one more higher than him. Um, or I can say something and stand up for my friend Josh or really forget that <coughs> stand up for truth. Yeah. Like it's not, it isn't even about my friend Josh yeah. because replace Josh and put me in it. You know, like this, probably people talk about me this way, things that are utterly untrue. And, and so I just said it, you know, Jeff, that's not true. That's not true at all. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm there every week. He does, this is what he does every week. And I explained it to him what happens. And I literally said, so whoever told you that is a liar and it's, it's not true. And, and I, I had a feeling who said this to him, but I wanted him to know, like, A, you cannot trust that person who told mm. you that because this person who is literally there every week and has nothing to gain or lose from this comment is telling you right now that that's not true. Mm. And, and what was so cool, actually, 
is he thanked me and he changed his mind and said, that is so good to hear. I'm very relieved. Thank you for telling me that. And, and I was very bothered, but now I believe you. Thank you for telling me that. And yeah. it was cool. We walked away, but he, my friend Josh wasn't there. He wasn't there to defend himself. Mm-hmm. And, and boom, he's got a friend who will get his back. And I think that that's, that's the kind of pre, like things that we should be thinking about doing when we can do that um, for one another. You know, it's again, it's not even just standing up for the person. It's just standing up for the truth yeah. and being willing to put yourself out there and, not like you know people like to be liked more than they like you like i don't i didn't need to be liked in that moment you know yeah and uh it, it wasn't about me per se and i'm not trying to tell that story to pat myself on the back it's just a, a relevant yeah. story of what happened right right you know? and i think that's what's cool about priscilla and aquila this couple who have this reputation of sticking their necks out for mm-hmm. paul but also you see elsewhere in acts they're mentioned several times but the i i misspoke earlier they didn't they didn't uh uh like meet with Paul, but rather Apollos. This is in Acts 18, and Apollos begins to speak there in the beginning of his ministry, and he's speaking boldly. And then in eight, uh, Acts eighteen twenty six, speaking of Apollos, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So he was fairly young <laughs> in his ministry, but mm. even earlier in this text, it says that wow. he was an eloquent man, competent in the scripture. So it wasn't like he was completely... incapable this couple just had some clarifying help for him kind of like the comment that you got on sunday morning it seems and what i like about this it wasn't theologically clarifying well anyways more about communication it was okay (laughs) but it was a comment so (laughs) it wasn't what i said it was how i said it true but that was bothersome (laughs) this couple what i like in this text is that he you know they took him aside it wasn't as if they called him out in public they took him aside. They right, instructed right. him. They gave him some things to think about. Right. Anyways, they didn't throw things at him mid-speech and no. start a riot. Right. Or they <laughs> didn't just talk about him behind his back. They didn't yeah. go like, oh, can you believe that he said this and that? That's wrong. Like, why would he say, you know? So clearly they're a very commendable, oh, you know, yeah. couple of people in the church. And and uh, and that's worthy of affirmation. Yeah, I agree for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the let's get to the cautions. The cautions, yeah. I mean, we're we're deep already. We're fifty two in. Oh man, we need to <laughs> get to this. We're fifty two in, and we haven't hit any cautions yet. It's probably good that we're that far in because we can spend a whole hour on just this thing, right? But here I think it cautions. is. It, yeah. I mean, it is notable. The your main point from that spot is that not everyone in your church is a Christian, and that is like yeah a really important thing for us as Christians to understand and not to be, like you said, not to be fearful of it, not to be constantly worried about it, but just to acknowledge it and to be cautious. Cause if you've been in the church more than like a year, I guarantee you've met someone where you're going, why is that person here? Like, what are they here for? It like, it doesn't quite seem like they're here for Christianity, it seems like they're here for themselves, you know, and I think we have all experienced that in a relationship with someone in the church. And the people in view here are not like visitors who are inquiring. These aren't like non-Christians who are seeking. Right. These are people who are deliberately portraying themselves as Christians, but are intentionally divisive. And like you're saying, trying to get into a place of influence, trying to get into, you know, the, uh, you know, the thing you were talking about, Phoebe, she was a servant. And that was probably her highest goal was to be a servant because she had authentic faith um, where we look at it and we go, how much power can I get? Right. How much can I influence people? What decisions do I get to make here? You know? Yeah. Yep. Well, 
the irony that I didn't get to pull out because of the sake of time was he says here in verse 18, such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. We're just coming off like commendations, right? Mm -hmm. And all these like, he, but there's nothing flattery about what Paul is saying, right? He is in relationship with these people. Like he has made sacrifices for them. They have made sacrifices for him. <coughs> He's commending their good work, but there's no flattery there. This is like you, you appeal to people's emotions. Mm. That's what they do. They, they appeal to their emotions through the correct language and by doing so deceive people who are naive of their, they're not naive of doctrine because he already said they're fully competent, right? They're naive of people's intentions and, and the, what people are trying to do in, in the church. And so they, they, they don't have a discerning heart or their guard is not up. Um, I actually just saw a book recently called The Lost Discipline or Lost Art of Watchfulness. Hmm. Like we're like people just aren't watchful and they come in the church and they just assume again, everybody has good intentions and everybody there is a Christian and, and they're just not. And, uh, but yeah, this was, this was a, a difficult one for me and it's probably hard to like even say much about why it was difficult, um, for the sake of, uh, too much too soon. But anyway, it's, yeah. When you've seen like into the eyes of wolves, mm-hmm. like when I moved to Oregon, I didn't know that there were wolves in Oregon, um, <laughs> like literally in the forest. <laughs> I also did not know until I moved here that there were actual like wolves in the church, you know? Yeah. Sorry. And it's, it's really weird. Like I could only imagine I go hunting and I can only imagine there's going to be one day when I'm going to like look into the eyes of like a real wolf and it's going to have a weird emotion in me. Like, oh my gosh, this is a wolf, you know? <laughs> but like, it's a really weird feeling when you're in the church and you look into the eyes like of a wolf and you're like, my, 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 sir, what mighty big teeth you have. <laughs> what a mighty big tail you have. Where is that coming from? It, You know, it is. It's extremely scary. Like when you feel like this is literally satanic what i'm actually looking at right here in front of me and I, I i've never seen a demon you know i've never seen some spiritual darkness you know i've never seen right. those kinds of things that people talk about but i have seen in the eyes of that and i'll tell you it's it's stinking scary and uh and the look is this i kind of want to eat you <laughs> i can i kind of want to consume you uh cuz you stand in the way of what i'm what i want to do and they're, they only care about themselves and what, and what they want. And, and it is, you know, when you've seen them there, you fully believe it. Like you can read a passage like this and believe it. But then when you see it for yourself, you believe it, you know, you really believe it. And yeah. it's, uh, I mean, that's probably why he said this in verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, like encouraging them. This is something that will happen. And it is satanic. Right. But God is a God of peace and he will restore peace. Right. Like that's a word to those who have been, you know, naively, uh, you know, drawn aside by some of these people who who frankly are, are trying to. Yeah. Well, the, well, you bring up a good point, right? Because God of peace will crush them. Yeah. He'll crush Satan. Not you. Because, <laughs> yeah, not you. Like you don't ever run up and try and fight a wolf. Like, like you just don't do that, right? You, that's the perfect area of the metaphor. 
Um, you Co- avoid. Cody's wearing a Bass Pro Shop uh, <laughs> hat. He's like, I could go fight a wolf. I could take a wolf. <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, that's like that. Uh, I'd punch bu- him in guy the on a or guy on a buffalo guy videos. A buffalo. <laughs> punches the cougar in the face. <laughs> punches the cougar. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you don't. You avoid the wolf, right? right. And and. Like in Titus, right? You you warn that person, and then you have nothing to do with them. You don't invite the wolf over to your house for dinner. You don't go to coffee with them and be like, please tell me, why are you leaving the church? Uh, you know, you're just like, okay, there's divisiveness going on here. There is something. Whenever you see divisiveness, you know that the enemy is at work in that situation. And you don't want to go anywhere near that. And I, I think that that's the watchfulness because you don't realize, man, I just got fatally bitten by some wolf and I'm either going to die now or I'm going to die later. Well, that's so the Titus text, I think is really clarifying. That was really helpful cross-reference that you brought in, which is like warn once. And so maybe, maybe the coffee meeting is the warning is that maybe that's, maybe you're in that phase, but once you've been told and warned multiple times when they're at that step three, which is like, you've been warned, you've been given a chance to repent and, you know, bring up these things that you've caused division over, repent of them publicly and all that kind of stuff. And if you haven't done that, then avoid. Right. That was the hardest thing for us in the life group to deal with. Like do, so we just ignore, like we just ostracize for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Why? Because they're like, they're warped. And I, I remember listening to this, uh, sermon, um, by Sinclair Ferguson, and he he was talking about a proverb: "Don't answer a fool according to his folly." Mm. But then the second parallelism of that is "Answer a fool according to his folly," and basically the point is you become a fool if you answer a fool in the same way. Mm. And but he was talking about this when he was in uh, seminary; he had to go to like a psych ward, and the the main sort of floor doctor. What, like he had to go in there and counsel somebody or listen to listen to somebody who's like literally insane. And the doctor warned him, hey, FYI, everything this person is going to tell you is a complete and utter lie. Nothing this person is going to say is true, but they will say some, they will say things in the most convincing way that they will you you will want to believe them. And and so, he, so he's telling the story. And he was like, it was the craziest thing. Like I went in, I listened to this person for 15 minutes. I couldn't believe how clear, articulate, passionate they were in that. Like if he said, if that guy had not said that before, he would have fully believed everything this person was saying. Mm. And, but they're warped in their thinking and they will lead you down crazy train. Mm. And, and I know this is, this is a bad example, but that sort of happened to me. I was, before I met Michelle, I was dating this girl and, and we went to a Target. We were in the Target parking lot. And uh, this, why, why this, were you just sitting in the parking lot? We weren't sitting in the parking lot, Cody. <laughs> what were you doing, we Eric? Shopping. We were walking out of the parking lot. A of likely the store, story. Into the parking lot. <laughs> it was only like 9, at, you know, 8.30 at night. And uh, all the lights were on in the, in the parking lot. So we're, we're walking out. And this woman walks up. And she is in a frenzy. Oh my gosh, I really need your help. I just came here from like, she was like a few cities over. Um, I, I need to catch a bus. I'm leaving an abusive relationship. And she she's given the spiel, right? The spiel you and I, all of us are looking yeah. at her like, you want drugs. Yeah. And that's, all. but I mean, you know, here's this small petite, you know, woman and, 
and she, man, she had this conversation down tight. And I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't have any cash on me. And we get me and my girlfriend, we get in the car and my girlfriend lights me up for my lack of compassion. I mean, just, just gets in this big fight with me and she was in trouble. Oh my, we need to like, I have money. Let's go to the bank. Let's help. The, can you believe it? And she's like going off. I'm like, girl, she is on drugs. Like she just wanted to get your money. What are you talking about? She's like, you're a liar. That's not true. You're blah, blah, blah. like, you're assuming all this stuff. No joke. One month later, a month later, we're in Target. Repeat. The same woman walks up, says the same thing. And I just like <laughs> stop her. I'm like, ma'am, you said this exact same story to us one month ago. And she literally just stopped and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> and I just turned and looked, you know. I told you so. Being right, is and so dude, fun. it was there was there was no there was no argument. There was no I told you so. I just I just looked at her, and that was it. Yeah. We you know when the delayed win it came much later, mm. but it was but the, man, I mean, we could have. She had a great story, and but people can do this. You know, people can create these stories, and I mean, imagine if you really know. That's the hard part in the church is these people. It's not the person that you don't know in Target parking lot. These people, you know them. You've been you've known them maybe for 30 years, 20 years. And then all of a sudden, you know, so you believe them yeah. because you have this longstanding relationship. They they were biding their time for so long. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you don't realize, wow, there's been a wolf like living in my yeah. backyard for Which, this whole and time. You did know? you uh, did you consider Paul's teaching in First Corinthians at all when you're doing this? Because I always find that such a curious one where he says, that there like has to be divisive people among you, uh, like to show who the First um, Corinthians eleven. Yeah, we should, w- remind 19, me eleven nineteen. Uh, it says, "For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you." Yeah, I always think of that as like it kind of shows us like there's going to be people among us who are not, you know not the real people and it's actually serves a purpose for our churches. I mean, but, I, I just feel like that comes back to Romans eight twenty eight, right? God causes all things to work together for good. Yeah. Even, even the divisive people, like there's a purpose for them in the church even. Well, which, in, but it gives us the opportunity to protect our churches. That's right. Right. Yeah. Against them. Well, it's kind of an interesting teaching. God, interestingly, God uses wolves to like prune the church, right? God uses wolves I mean, God used Satan to accomplish his saving plan in mm. bringing Christ to the cross. And ultimately, you know what I mean? He used Satan thought he won, but in the end, he just created the greatest victory ever uh, over over himself. Right. Like he really lost. And that's the the comedy of God's salvation is that he, you know, he's using these people uh, even in the church. Now, again, we have the responsibility to care for the church, shepherd the church, and care for one another, right? Uh, members have the responsibility of church discipline as much as anybody else. Um, and to not be naive or deceived by, you know, these people. But in the end, there's divisive people all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and, and God can use even their divisiveness to make his church flourish may not grow numerically, right. but it'll become more pure, 
you know, the, the people who are truly saved will be revealed and those who aren't will move on. Exactly. And so I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a goal. It's not something celebrated, but it's something that when we take it seriously, it does, you know what it says that, uh, that those who are genuine among you will be recognized when yep. those wolves pop up, when those people who want to divide your church pop up the genuine people. And I, I think that's a great point. We've seen that. Right? We, ha- we have <laughs> right? 100%. You, you talked about the times when, you know, when it's most likely when things are going well, when there's a, you know, a transition and it feels like I might be able to take power and you, you know, that happens. And then you see like, okay, that person's genuine. That person went with the wolf real quick. You know, yeah. that person was kind of on the fence, but they turned out to be genuine. You know, like it, it does show us. The true nature and the true faith of people in the church. Yeah, yeah, yep. no, mm. for sure. No, this was, this was good because we don't like to talk about, you know, a, the divisiveness that happens in churches and, and really like, we experience doctrinal divisiveness. That's kind of what he's talking about here. You know, anybody who's creating obstacles contrary to the, to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid these people. But there's people who throw like they use doctrine as like, oh, this, you know, this person's teaching this. And so, you know, that's not really what our church believes. But it's like really the issue isn't doctrine there. They're just using doctrine as a scapegoat for something else. Right. They really just don't like the person. And uh, like we were just meeting with the guy at at, uh, Redmond Christian. Yeah. And he had a guy that you know he was upset with him about oh was it baptism or something or it was some some issue you know quote I think unquote. it was it was something around covid right yes yeah yeah either they were opening too fast or not opening not. enough or too many masks or not enough masks or right right 6 feet instead of 5 feet or hmm. i don't it was something to do with covid right but usually you know that person could have easily found a a doctrine exactly. to say like no the church needs to be meeting or no the church needs to be uh, an example to our neighbors you know you could find some proof text for whatever point you want to have but really the issue is you just don't want to submit yeah or you don't want to uh follow the direction or yeah. you know be with her you want you want to go this direction you want them to follow you you kind of didn't like me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here's, yeah, here's he your first opportunity he was right. like yeah I just, I just think he didn't like this me. has been yeah. your first <laughs> chance to disagree with me because everything else you've kind of agreed with me but you still didn't like me through it yeah and now you got a chance to disagree with me that's right <laughs> and 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 try and get other people to to yeah. agree with you and follow mm-hmm. you and get me mm-hmm. out of here and no it's it happens and you just need to be um wise and discerning and decisive when those kinds of things happen. But I mean, I think more than that, what's the best way to deal with a wolf? Teach your people good doctrine. Mm -hmm. Teach good doctrine, good theology, have great relationships to the best of your ability with your congregation. Because then when somebody comes up and says, man, can you believe so-and-so, you know, then they'll be like, no, knock it off. Like, (laughs) yeah. We're not going to talk like that about that person or about anybody yeah. in the church. I and thought you were going to say tame it and keep it as a pet, but yeah, <laughs> tame the wolf. Yeah. Oh yeah. But what happens to people who do that? They get bit, dude. One of my favorite <laughs> blogs actually on this subject was a gospel coalition blog, and it was you could look it up. It's called the Wounded Wolf. Whoa. And and they were talking about how a lot of wolves today are like. They, they sort of mask themselves as these like wounded individuals 
And so they, they're either like public speakers or they're just people in your church, right? I'm so hurt, you know, like love me, this and that, but like hurt people, hurt people. And they, they kind of come in under this, like, I really need help or, or the church hurt me when reality, they're like, they, they hurt people. Mm -hmm. Um, now I'm not saying that they maybe weren't hurt. They were, um, but, but it's a, a thing to be discerning on that some people get under that mask, be that I guess idea that they're the ones that need help. And then once you're in the cage with them, you get, you get chewed up, you know? And, uh, but anyway, it was a great, great blog yeah. called the, the wounded wolf. Um, it was a gospel coalition blog. I'm sure it's still there. It's called beware of, broken beware wolves. of broken wolves. Yeah. Broken yeah. wolves. Thank you for looking that up. Nice. It was a good one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, at the end of this passage that we were in, he, he does a, a commendation sandwich. Yeah. Right. He, yeah. Uh, he goes back to the commendations. And I thought that was a cool, you brought it back to your initial main point that it's the relationships that yeah. matter. Relationships are the point. Um, and so yeah. maybe we can do the commendation sandwich also in transition right here. Sure. Yeah. Volunteer of the week. Our volunteer of the week this week is Gordon Christensen. Boom. You may Get or may man. not know Gordon because Gordon is often stuck as far back in the church as you can possibly get. And up high. <laughs> and up high. <laughs> behind the soundboard, behind the live streaming computer, behind the cameras, uh, behind all of it. Gordon's there almost every week. We actually have uh, another volunteer that helps now too. Uh, but Gordon's there pretty much every week. And as we were talking before, we're thinking about this list of commendations that Paul did. Uh, Gordon, someone who would stick his neck out for us. <laughs> Gordon, someone who like showed up when things were hard uh, through COVID. He said, let's roll with recording things. Let's figure out all of it. Uh, he's just someone who will show up again and again and again and on holidays and, you know, he'll be there. Um, and so, and he's been doing that. I don't even know how long because longer than I've been around. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's longer than com- you've been around. He's been coming here since he was a kid. Yeah. Um, wow. I believe his dad was an elder here, if wow. I remember right. Um, yeah, that's why uh, every once in a while you'll hear an older person call him Gordy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which he totally loathes. <laughs> Does he? I don't know. I've never <laughs> tried to call him Gordy. You know, it's kind of like we grow up, up under that guy. Like, oh, he's still that little kid. Yeah. Like, Dude, I'm 50 years old now. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if Gordon's 50, but, you know, it's just the – He's he's not a five year old anymore, yeah. you know. Right. But no, I appreciate I appreciate Gordon uh, a ton and all that he does. And and you're totally right. I mean, when things got really Man, really weird here during COVID, weird and hard, you know, he he thought he got inventive, yeah. and innovative and excited even, you know. And and I yeah. So we wouldn't be we wouldn't have gotten through that the way we did without yeah. him. And so we commend him tremendously yep. for that, and, for sure. And really, Gordon is one of those sacrificial volunteers because Gordon yeah. doesn't work some normal nine to five, where no. he knows exactly he's he's doing freelance work for four or five different places, uh, schedules all over the place, and still he finds a way uh, to make this a priority. And so we really, really appreciate him. So when you see Gordon, tell him he's a volunteer of the week. Tell him you appreciate him. Tell him thank you for all the hard work he does. Yeah. Tell yep. him it, tell him it's not too loud. Tell yeah. him it's too quiet to crank it up. <laughs> yes, for sure. He, he, Do not come up and criticize 
the sound that he's doing. That, that, he, that is not his job. His job is to do what we want him to do, not what some others want him to do. That's right. <laughs> Good word to put in there at the end. <laughs> it's time for Bible trivia right now. All right. So now that we're finally at Romans 16, the last chapter of Romans, I'm going all the way back to the first chapter. Okay, great. See how well you guys remember it. I'm not uh, I'm not looking at it this time. So Romans Romans 1:16 from not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Uh, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Exactly. To and the then Jew, it, Greek, to the Jew and the Greek. Yep, exactly. And then it says for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith. Where was that written? Well, it was in Genesis. The righteous shall live by faith. What it's written at? Uh, I I can't confirm that, but it's written in another place. No, Genesis it, wasn't my answer. It's it's yeah. It's also written in. Um, hold on, it's one of the minor prophets. The righteous shall live by faith. Oh my yeah, goodness! You're on the right track. You are. You're on the right track for um, sure. Um. Is it Malachi? It's not. It's not he- Malachi. Hezekiah. <laughs> it it it's, no. It sounds like you're you're spitting up some phlegm when you say it. Zechariah. <laughs> I guess any of them. <laughs> All could, of them. Depending uh, on how you say it. Haggai. Haggai. <laughs> you're getting closer. Oh man, I don't know. But uh, the righteous shall live by faith. That's true. It's not from it Genesis. Malachi. It would. That Hosea? was where no, you know he believed God and was counted him as righteousness. That's Abraham, That's which is Abraham. later in chapter okay, 5, I'm I so think. confused. Yep. I was confused by my reference. The righteous shall live by faith. Is it? It's not Ezekiel, is it? Is um, What is it? Just tell it us. It is Habakkuk. Habakkuk. <laughs> that was a great one. We need to Habakkuk. study the minor prophets more. No, those are that's great. Probably yeah. at the time. That's why I went all the way back. If I had done it that day... You would have just probably read Habakkuk while mm-hmm. preparing your sermon. <laughs> so I, I wanted to go way back. No, that was a good one. We went Habakkuk. to the way, way back. It's Habakkuk 2-4. Or is it Habakkuk? <laughs> How do you say it? I've, I've always, always said Habakkuk. I say Habakkuk. I said Habakkuk. Sounds like you're hawking something up. Habakkuk. Oh my gosh, that was a lot of fun to listen to, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this On Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.